Hello there. This is Series 7 of Satisfied. The Series 7 podcasts enhance the Radical Acts Bible study of the book of Acts in the New Testament. I'm Melanie Newton, just an ordinary kind of woman who loves the Lord and His Word. In the last podcast, we looked at what the Holy Spirit did to transform Peter. Today's podcast will cover Lesson 6 of Radical Acts Bible Study. We will look at the people who joined the cause of Christ and the ones who fought against Him, even those who thought they were on God's side. The God of the unexpected surprised the mostly Jewish church with His addition of Gentiles to it in an unmistakable way. Then He also caused an explosive spread of His gospel message among those same Gentiles. God poured forth His Spirit in a city about 220 miles north of Jerusalem called Antioch. It is located in modern Syria. Many Gentiles were saved, forming a new church that became a strong and solid landmark in the Gentile world. The problem was, it was mostly Gentile. They didn't have the whole background about who God is like the Jews did. They didn't get a chance to watch Jesus in action like many of the early Christians in Jerusalem did. They needed lots of good teaching and shepherding. So the Jerusalem church leaders sent their reliable brother Barnabas to shepherd the Antioch church. Barnabas knew he needed help, so he went to Tarsus to find Paul and bring him back to Antioch. The Bible says that for a whole year, Barnabas and Paul met with the Antioch believers and taught great numbers of people. And that's where believers in Jesus Christ were first called Christians, not in Jerusalem or Israel. That's God's sense of humor, isn't it? Then in the midst of that effective ministry, the Holy Spirit chose to set apart Barnabas and Paul from the other church leaders and send them on mission to faraway places. The time was right. Barnabas and Paul had the experience they needed to not only share the gospel with Gentiles, but also to disciple them and set up churches that included them. So they left Antioch and traveled through Cyprus and up into what is central Turkey today. Paul and Barnabas always started their ministry in the synagogues where not only Jews were present, but also God-fearing Gentiles were in attendance. God-fearing Gentiles were those who worshiped the God of Israel in the synagogue and practiced some but not all of the Jewish laws. But their hearts were hungry to know the true God. And we see in Acts chapters 13 and 14 The missionary preachers met with varying responses. In some places, people came out in droves to hear them and believe the gospel. The Bible says that they were glad to be included in the plan of God. God grew His church through those new Christians. But many of the Jews, especially the synagogue leaders, rejected the message about Jesus as their Messiah. So instead of joining the work of God, They fought against him. And we get to one of the saddest verses in the Bible for me as a woman. It's in Acts chapter 13, verse 50. But the Jewish leaders incited the God-fearing women of high standing and the leading men of the city. They stirred up persecution against Paul and Barnabas and expelled them from their region. 
God-fearing women of high standing were incited to work against God. That bothers me. History tells us that well-to-do women in many cities of the Roman world were attracted to the Jewish religion and frequented the synagogue. Both history and archaeology tell us that married women in Asia Minor exercise much more influence than was the case in most other parts of the empire. They had a platform and influence. These women witnessed the miracles and heard the message, watching many turn to God from idols. Yet they chose to support a cause that worked against the purposes of God. Jesus had experienced the same thing among his own people. We find this similar statement in Luke chapter 7. All the people, even the tax collectors, when they heard Jesus' words, acknowledged that God's way was right because they had been baptized by John. But the Pharisees and the experts in the law rejected God's purpose for themselves because they had not been baptized by John. Okay, this is what it means. Those who wanted God with their hearts responded first with repentance for their sins and submitted to be baptized by John. Then when they heard Jesus' words, they joined him. They accepted God's purpose for themselves. But the ones who were supposedly the most faithful to God, the religious leaders, they're the ones who rejected the message of repentance and baptism by John. They also rejected the words of Jesus. And the Bible says they rejected God's purpose for themselves. The same thing is true of the God-fearing women who heard the gospel from Paul and Barnabas. They rejected the purposes of God and chose to work against God. Not a good choice. Dear women, carefully examine the causes you support. In the lesson, I asked you to consider how you should determine the worthiness of the causes that engage your mind, your words, your energy, and your finances. What steps do you take or should you take to protect yourself from being influenced in a manner that does not strengthen the cause of Christ? We are the visible representatives of the living Christ. Jesus Christ gave his life for us so he could give his life to us, so he could live his life through us. Any cause you support should represent Jesus Christ living his life through you more than your own will or emotions taking the lead. I want to repeat that. Any cause you support should represent Jesus Christ living his life through you more than your own will or emotions taking the lead. And beware of others who are influencing you. Look at Galatians chapter 4, verses 17 and 18. Paul says this about influencers. Those people are zealous to win you over, but for no good. What they want is to alienate you from us so that you may have zeal for them. It is fine to be zealous, provided the purpose is good. For the believer in Jesus Christ, who determines what purpose is good for you? God does. Where do you find out what God considers good? In His Word, the Bible. As Paul says, 
zealous people will try to win you over to their cause by appealing to your good motives. They convince you to compromise with them for a good cause without you even recognizing that this is what is happening. Dear listener, compromise is dangerous. Here are four things I want you to know about compromise. First, compromise with the world is usually subtle and tricky. You get fooled with what look to be good causes that serve to lure you into the den of God's enemies, those who hate Him. Isaiah chapter 32 verse 7 says this, which is so relevant for today. Scoundrels use wicked methods. They make up evil schemes to destroy the poor with lies, even when the plea of the needy is just. Scoundrels will take advantage of your tender heart to do whatever they can to suck you into their schemes. Beware the causes you support. The God-fearing women of Acts 13 were tricked into supporting a cause that had jealousy at its root. Compromise with the world is usually subtle and tricky. Here's a second one. Compromise with the world sucks you in through wrong relationships. Christians are generally trusting people. So when we start running with the world on what the world says are good causes, we can get outsmarted really quickly. We get lured by the subtlety of the world and then we get locked into wrong social, political, or spiritual relationships that get us entangled even deeper. The God-fearing women in Acts 13 sided with the enemies of God rather than with God's messengers. Compromise with the world sucks you in through wrong relationships. Here's the third thing I want you to know. Compromise with the world closes you off to hearing ideas that you don't like. Why do I have to listen to your viewpoint? That's the question often asked. A recent example of this is the demand for safe zones on college campuses. I read an article in November of 2015 that described how students demand they be guaranteed safe zones where they can be protected from hearing ideas that they don't like, but they can openly criticize anyone with ideas that don't match their own. Let's see, the last time I looked, if you were only fed one set of ideas day and night, isn't that brainwashing? Isn't that what cults do to capture the minds of their initiates? I don't necessarily like listening to someone with ideas that do not fit my value system. But listening to those ideas and running them through the sieve of what God's Word says strengthens my discernment of what is God's way of approaching life compared to the world's way. Being aware of the contrast benefits me. The same is true for you. The God-fearing women in Acts chapter 13 chose to support a cause that would stop Paul and Barnabas from speaking the truth about Christ. Bad choice. Compromise with the world closes you off to hearing ideas that you don't like. And then the fourth thing I want you to know, compromise with the world sucks you in through emotions and can bring disastrous results. Our culture treats feelings as if they were an inerrant internal compass that always points to truth and reality. Follow your heart. What does your gut say? Don't you hear those? The God-fearing women of Acts 13 were emotionally sucked into supporting a cause that produced 
ungodly fruit, abusive speech, abusive behavior against Paul and Barnabas, and abuse of power that forced them out of their city so that no one else could hear the good news from their lips. My friend Sue Bolin said this in one of her blogs, the toxic pickling brine of our culture puts a much higher emphasis on the immediate, the here and now of the physical world, which our feelings are part of. The majority of Christians think just like the non-Christian world around us, and that includes ignoring the unseen eternal world and focusing on the visible temporal world. When we recalibrate our focus to include the unseen sphere of life, we can put feelings in their place. They are like lights on the dashboard of our car, indicating what's going on under the hood. But if we focus on the dashboard lights while we drive, instead of on the road, we'll run off the road or worse, crash. We can acknowledge them but refuse to let them lead us. What is involved in recalibrating our focus before supporting a cause? It's what we learned in Acts chapter 1, aligning ourselves with the purposes of God and prayer for His guidance. Whenever you need to make a decision about supporting a cause, remember what we learned from Acts chapter 1. Step number one, align yourself with the purposes of God as described in His Word. What will glorify Him more than yourself or someone else? Look at the fruit that this cause produces. Does it tend to draw people closer to God or make them more arrogant and self-sufficient because of their cause? Is a relationship with Jesus Christ the ultimate goal? A godly cause will encourage obedience to God and His Word rather than twisting Scripture to make it fit the cause. Step number two in the process. Consider options that also align with the purposes of God. Seek wise counsel. Look into the financial integrity of the organization. Look at the character of the leaders. Are they living dependently on the living Christ or more on themselves? Avoid personality-driven causes. The zealousness of someone for their cause does not guarantee that it is a good cause. Watch out for persuasiveness. Get as much information about the cause from different sides as you can. Check out the mission statement of the organization. Galatians chapter 6 verse 10 says this, Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. In spite of the lure of the world, that which is decidedly backed by Christians who are unashamedly following Christ in dependence and obedience should take priority in the causes you support. Then we learned that you need step number three in the process. Ask God for direction and for Him to show you the best choice. This is living dependently on God. God the Father, who is also your Creator, has given you a brain to use. He wants you to use your mind and heart to evaluate the options and then remove the options that are not lined up with His way of doing life. Give yourself time to think and pray about it. Once you have done that, ask Him to show you which good option to choose. Step number four in the process. 
Submit to God's direction and look for the fruit of what you support. This is obedience. God's work will produce godly fruit that glorifies the name of Jesus Christ and draws many people to Him as a result. I want to share with you this quote by Chuck Swindoll. Few things are more demoralizing than realizing you've been helping the wrong side. And that demoralization is intensified when you didn't know it. Our best good works are empty if they do not serve as an outworking of our conviction that Jesus Christ is Lord of our lives and has broken the stranglehold of the world's ways upon us. You take Jesus with you into every cause that you support. The adventure of learning how to choose the right causes to support is certainly part of the Holy Spirit's transforming power. Let Jesus satisfy your heart with His Spirit's transforming power and say yes to a life of adventure with Him. Until next time, I'm Melanie Newton, and this is Series 7 of Satisfied.